We're back. We're back. We're back. It's been a little while for us. It has, yeah. It won't be for the audience because we record a bunch ahead of time. But you guys were off on on amazing adventures. Yeah. Went up to Oregon. Wait, Washington. I always say Oregon. Went up Washington. To, same went thing. Up to Washington. Had some fun in Seattle. Did a They're little bit of They're north of California. It's the same, same thing as Canada. You were in Cascadia. Yeah, we were in Cascadia. What's Cascadia? It's like the name of the region. Yeah, it was a, it was a good time. Weather was beautiful. It's a nice place, Seattle. And Alex, you went to to Mexico. I did. A little international jet setter. It was so humid and hot. Don't go there now, if anyone's thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, by the time they hear this, it'll be cooled off. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> it'll be like October or something. <laughs> I was on. I was almost not able to leave because a tropical cyclone, Kevin of all people, decided to start forming right next to the Cabo San Lucas airport. That's such an unthreatening name. I know. Kevin. But it was like, like so Don't get douchey. me wrong. I have some friends named Kevin, but it's like, you got to understand that that's not a terrifying name for a hurricane. Exactly. I call like hurricane death blow or like hurricane <laughs> doom wind. Exactly. Something something out of like Warcraft. Yeah, because <laughs> you, know? you want to make hurricanes more scary. Yeah, <laughs> Hurricane Doom Wind is coming. Like, oh, f- we're fucked. Like, in the immortal words of Hunter Thompson, anything worth doing is worth doing right, and I think anything worth naming is worth naming right on the same principle. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I just don't know if people are prepared for Hurricane Doom Wind. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> they might actually listen and leave their homes and evacuate. Yeah, you know? like Hurricane Doom Wind is coming. Like, like, oh, <laughs> you better pay attention. Hurricane Adelie. Uh, Hurricane Kevin. He's going to come over and borrow your lawnmower. Exactly. Punch holes in your drywall. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, we're back. It's good, in to, country. good to be back. Good to be back with you guys doing this, this dumbass <laughs> podcast. And we got a, we got a really good one, too. We got a fantastic film to talk about. I'm ecstatic. Well, like, I, I watched it with both of you guys um independently because i was like i can't let either of you watch this on your own a because i wanted to hear you laugh at it and b because i don't think you would have gotten through it to be honest that's definitely true i I think if i watched it on my own it would have been maybe even a two-day project (laughs) yeah i mean okay so we're talking about in the name of the king a dungeon siege tale an uve bull film from 2007 and like i had seen this um, I think maybe a couple years after it came out. It's been a really long time. I just saw it on Netflix or something. I, I really don't remember when. Other than that, it was a while ago. And I was like, wow, this is this is bad. <laughs> and then I poked into it and I saw that I saw the budget and I was like, what? Here's a little background on this movie. This is basically the worst version of Lord of the Rings you can imagine. And it was made for $60 million, and it looks like crap. And it stars Jason Statham, Ron Perlman, Ray Liotta, John Reese davies Matthew Lillard, and fucking Burt Reynolds. My God. How much of this do you think was the 
just the budget of the salary of the actors? I think probably a fair amount, but not as much as you might imagine, because there is a, a whole lot of like actors in costumes. They clearly had helicopters, you know, like the movie, I say it looks like crap and it does, but it like the cinematography is competent. Mm-hmm. The costumes are hilariously awful when the, the, the Krug, the orcs show up, they look like bad guys from Power Rangers. Um, it's like, and it's, I, what I, the only version of this I was able to track down as well was the three hour cut. Yeah, thanks for that. It's like an hour longer and I don't think it added anything. I think it just added things, you know, like more, more boring. <clears throat> and Jesse happened to tell me this like three quarters away through the movie when I was already just furious with him i just kept looking (laughs) over at him just so fucking enraged like why are you making me watch this like is this funny to you like what is this (laughs) and and he looks over at me with this shit-eating grin and he just goes oh by the way this is the director's cut version (laughs) and on a film this terrible the director never goes like, oh, there was just like one or two scenes I wanted to add in that I think gave the movie a little more context. Uh, you know, Here's a 25-minute-plus director's cut. But I knew from that fucking smirk that it was going to be an hour. And I just, right when you said, you were like, oh, it's like 50 minutes. Uh, I was so, I, I thought I was at the plateau of how angry I could be at you. <laughs> but it, like, it just went up another tier. I was like, you son of a bitch. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, Jeff, do you want to describe the plot? Of oh, the my God. No. Thing? No, I don't want to describe the fucking plot of this movie. <laughs> this is, bar none, the most terrible piece of shit that I have ever seen in my life. I, I mean, no, no, that can't be true. No, no. You've seen worse. No, I've seen worse movies. Like, I've seen Samurai Cop. I've seen Trolls. I've seen... Or troll, whatever. I've seen all of those kind of like shitty movies, but this movie is shitty in the worst way possible. Where it's a, it's, it's such a ripoff. It's, it, it is the definition of derivative. It is the most derivative piece of shit. It, either it steals directly from Lord of the Rings, as far as down to. The what o- do you mean? The what are you opening talking about? scene after, so the action of the scene. Oh my god, this piece of shit opens with washed out, wrinkle faced Ray Liotta standing there half in the bag (laughs) acting out of his fucking wallet (laughs) and he's just standing there i mean he's just talking to a green screen and it's so obvious so obvious you can almost see the fucking reflection of the green in his eyes and because this movie's that dumb and so you you sit there and he opens by him casting some dumb spell no he's like fucking the princess he's like uh he's hanging out with the lady and like being a sex vampire yes yes sex vampire is perfect Yes, and oh, by the way, Ray Liotta, this whole movie, if you if you want to go like, oh, Jeff, does Ray Liotta dress like the Labyrinth is his favorite movie and Gareth is his idol? Yes, it does. He dresses <laughs> yeah, he's like- supposed to be an evil wizard, but he just wears a leather jacket. <laughs> no, he wears... By the way, everyone is terrible in this movie. All these great actors are terrible, uh, but especially Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta is fucking awful. Yeah, he is- this movie uplifts nobody. It just, it, it is, it is crap. To the highest degree. So Ray, you have you have Ray Liotta washed out, doesn't give a fuck, wearing the most ridiculous outfits. 
<laughs> and you go to the Shire with Jason Statham. And so basically the next scene is like they play like concerning hobbits backwards, essentially. Like it's yeah, the same it's, song. It is. Oh my God. Somebody stop me or I will. I, this whole podcast will be a rant. I swear. We have to intersperse uh, That's fine. I mean, we'll interject, but you can you can keep ranting. And it's want. just it's it's just so it's so poorly designed. Jason Statham does not belong in this role. He's the most miscast piece of this movie that I have ever seen. He what li- about Burt Reynolds as King? Okay, but Burt Reynolds is so drunk that he like <laughs> kind of actually worked as a king for me because I was like, oh well, a king is just like drunk and aloof and doesn't give a fuck, and Burt Reynolds. Is either method acting or is no. just back because this he's just drunk. He just wants to get back to his trailer, be done shooting for it's, the day. It's, so I was actually able to let that go. You know, like I understand when an actor becomes washed out and does shitty movies and just comes to set drunk. Like I've seen David Cameron movies. Uh, David Cameron. Uh, Cameron Mitchell movies. Sorry. Oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's good old Jeff plucking up names. <laughs> there we the go. Prime Minister of England, in. ladies and gentlemen. All I, I, I gotta say though, I mean, whenever Burt Reynolds showed up in that helmet, oh my we god, we were laughing hysterically. I wasn't laughing much at this movie. Jesse thought this movie was hilarious, but every scene where they would take, it was like they wanted to like lean into the fact that Burt was drunk. Are they like, all right, he's coming to set drunk, so let's skew his helmet a little bit more every reverse shot like so every time it would flip back to burt reynolds his his little legionnaire helmet would be like a little more like skewed back on his head and his forehead would be like sticking it would just it never fit him quite right it's like when you go to the scream halloween store you might be uh you might be playing that up a little bit much regardless whenever he shows up in that helmet you're laughing because it looks so bad and stupid. Yeah, I don't it's know. So I, think it's pretty, it's like when you go I think it's pretty accurate to get the costume that you always wanted as a kid at like the Scream Halloween store, like King of Enchanted Land costume or whatever. <laughs> and they don't have any more sizes that fit you. So you're just like, oh, fuck it. And your kid is like wearing this helmet that like every time he turns his head, like it stays in place and like he <laughs> just can't see anything. <laughs> Just just to go off of also the ripping off of Lord of the Rings, quick factoid that I, I did during my research. The original screenplay had to be completely rewritten and revised because it was too close to the actual Lord of the Rings narrative. And you're like, wait a minute, this movie <laughs> is Lord of the Rings, but terrible. I can't imagine what the like, original screenplay was. There's, Yeah, there's no point in describing this plot at all because it's basically just take Lord of the Rings, take the, the, the bullet points of it for plot and for map, kind of, kind of, and then just like smooth it out and yeah. make it dumb. It's like a 60 and million PowerPoint. It's like, oh, they fight... They go to the forest and they're like, oh, there's something about this forest. There's people come in and they don't come out. And guess what? There's elves in the forest. And fucking the soundtrack sounds like a ripoff of the Lord of the Rings elf soundtrack. And it's, it, it's uh, cut, it's print, so um, poor the soundtrack. Copy, paste for all the elements. Uh, the soundtrack is so poorly 
placed in the movie as well. There'll be such a, there'll be like a scene of them like eating dinner and it'll be like, oh my God. And it's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, calm down. Like, just turn the music off. Like, it's almost like somebody's just playing like shitty fantasy music on YouTube on their phone, like next to the camera. And like the camera guy's like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Like, stop it. Like, it's so bad. It's so poor. And I just want to talk about how Jason Statham is. He's pretty much just the transporter in this movie. Like, he plays Jason Statham. Yeah. Like, he he does not play in any way a hero that is tied to this type of world. He plays the transporter. Every fight, he's just roundhouse kicking and just kicking. Like, <laughs> yeah. I've never seen that much it was so weird to see that much kicking in a medieval movie i was like it was so out of place i was like what's going on here why did these fight scenes feel weird and it was because they were like john wick fight scenes and a fucking lord of the rings ripoff and he's like fighting extras in a guar video yeah Yeah, like what's happening (laughs) all right i guess we could talk about the krug we can talk about whatever we want, man. It's, it is funny though that that Jason Statham's accent is just Jason Statham's accent, and it's different than everyone else's accent. Well, there's no. It's accents. like this movie doesn't try. It really doesn't. There's no consistent accent. Like you'll 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 have Jason Statham, the farmer of this land, who's like the heavy like North London, and then you'll have fucking what's his name burnt reynolds come up and just american accent yeah. <laughs> he's the king it's like what is this it's a very culturally diverse land that we live yeah in this place the to. only actor who tries to do a performance is matthew lillard and his and he's overacting and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say that it's good performance it's just the best performance he's he's trying to actually be a character yeah definitely i would say the best performance probably goes to john reese davies as far as like, yeah, because he's just classy. Yeah, like him just saying lines in a John Reese Davies voice is great, no matter what he's in. Which strengthens the link even more to Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I mean, this guy played Gimli, right? Like he's Gimli. Yeah, <laughs> Ugh. he had to get that Lord of the Rings street cred in there. Exactly. I, I, I think guess he's also just the only actor in this movie that I could really see that has this kind of experience with fantasy. I Not Ray Liotta. Like, seems like. Yeah, I don't think Ray Liotta was in many uh, hack and slash sword dragon killing movies, but everybody else is very out of place. It seems like he's the only one that's like, yeah, I know what it means to like be in a fantasy movie. And Matthew Lillard's just like happy to be there. He's just like he's oh. hamming it up. Yeah, he's, he's just doing like, that scenery. Oh. Yeah, he's just like, oh shit, they hired me. Nice. Like, yeah, he's just like making sure that like his performance is the most memorable. I can put this on my my B roll for. Uh the other movies hopefully and actually he does have like one or two i will say kind of convincing scenes what's he done recently i have scooby no doo and i know the guess he, who he hangs TV out with cri- the critical role uh, people every once in a while oh really yeah, yeah. i only ever saw him last uh, i listened to him on dak shepherd's podcast because i know him and dak shepherd are pretty close but it looks like he's in about 47 tv shows a year yeah, I mean, he's a working actor. Like, that's what you got to do if you're a working actor. George Clooney movie, The Descendants, which is pretty good. It's like a drama. Oh, yeah, Alexander Payne movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think he, I think he's a good actor. I think he's just an actor that's trying really hard to, like, get back in the saddle of, like, bigger movies and, like, stop doing TV and stuff like that. I think he's, like, really... He's not giving up. So, Alex, you really enjoyed this film, right? You would call it a film, right? I mean, 
I will say it was like enjoyable to watch the three hours of just insanity ensue. Yeah, you and I were laughing. You and I were laughing much more than Jeff was. I don't know if I had. Yeah, I don't know if I had the same amount of anger, but I will say, like, we're we just got off of people like Paul Thomas Anderson. You probably could take Paul Thomas Anderson's like budgets for a lot of his films and combine them, and it would barely come close to how much this movie was. So, oh no, yeah, this movie was sixty yeah. million. I don't know. Like, I don't know who he. Uh, like bamboozled to get this amount of money. I want to meet this producer. Uwe Boll films are usually about like $5 million and star like, I don't know, Dolph Lundgren or something. <laughs> and they're based on video games and they're legendarily awful. He's a legendarily bad director. Mm-hmm. Although he's also legendarily um, like convinced of his own genius <clears throat> and he goes to bat for himself violently against people on the internet. So maybe we'll get a comment from Uwe Bull. That'd be, <laughs> That'd awesome. be amazing. Oh, this be movie awesome. is that. just like every line makes almost no narrative sense. It's just like this is what they said. This is like fantasy movie guy instead of just regular movie guy. It's like, oh, we're doing a fantasy movie. This is what people in fantasy movies say. You know, like all these weird platitudes and like weird like anecdotes about life and stuff just vomited out all onto the screen and screenplay it's like i don't even know what some of these people are saying some of the conversations with burt reynolds (laughs) and like other characters lowered my iq or did something to like my gray matter like where it's just fried forever like uh, this movie is they say things because those are the things that you say in a fantasy movie almost no line of dialogue matters and after three hours of it, yeah, it, like it does something to your brain where you're like, <clears throat> I think your circuits are fried a little bit. What you said when we watched it was actually, I thought was genius. We were about an hour and 40 into the movie, which is not like very long into this movie, but <laughs> we were like an hour 40 into it and you go, I'm still waiting for this movie to like start. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that's like the perfect description for this movie because you're like, what the fuck is happening? Like it never starts. It Nothing doesn't. leads to anything. <laughs> it's just like a bunch of junk. It's like a bunch of junk, and then the orcs start shooting each other out of slingshots in comedy scenes. Oh my and god! You're like what? <laughs> I think that's where the movie really gave up. There's a fight scene in this movie that lasts. Not even being hyperbolic here, it lasts close to thirty to forty minutes long like frantic video camera editing, the same battle goes on in this forest. And there's no arc. There's no arc to it, right? Like if you have action in a movie, like action isn't just things happening. It's it's things happening for a reason and there's a story being told and that's what makes action interesting if you're a good storyteller or a good director. In this film, it's just 30 minutes of random quick cut shots of people in armor fighting the orcs. And there's no blood. None of it's like particularly fun. And you can't tell if one side is winning. There's no ebb and flow. There's no narrative arc to the battle. It's just a battle. And your brain is like, ah, having a seizure. You're like, stop. <laughs> just move on. <laughs> Finish this movie already. <laughs> I was falling asleep during the action scenes. I was legitimately like, kind of, I just got back from the camping trip the day before. And I was like, had my head in my hand, like, dozing because it was just so boring the movie was just 
just so boring. It was the worst part of everything that people hate about fantasy. Every time someone goes to a fantasy movie and they're like, that was boring. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's because of these elements that mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I get that. It's just like pointless expository dialogue, pointless fucking action sequences, pointless character development. So like nothing matters. Jason Statham is the most forgettable character his name is literally fucking Farmer. Yeah, yeah. Farmer. And let's talk about forgettable characters. Let's not forget Ron Perlman's in this movie for some for fucking no reason. reason. Yeah, no and it's reason. Pointless. I actually watched Hellboy again just so I could be like, yeah, Ron Perlman's kind of a bad actor and not what this movie made him in. No, Ron Perlman's great. No, I, 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 I know that's the joke. It's just, oh. it's just, it's just so. It's so bad. He was definitely like the action guy, the buddy guy who would say the lines, like the but thought you would never come. But he was slow and sluggish. He had no action to him. He had no movement. Exactly. He, <laughs> he's, he had fucking rocks in his shoes in his whole movie. At one point, we were watching, and we didn't even know if he had passed away or not. And it was just like... Yeah. No, he didn't. He was like, what is it? What is it? Is he uplifting the, the main character? No. Is he getting revenge because of the past of something that happened to him no like there's nothing about him that ties him to this world it's just oh and here's ron perlman <laughs> right it's because it's because we needed people to say the and my axe thing exactly. to go on this adventure <laughs> to save uh, jason statham's wife wife but yeah i mean ron perlman has zero narrative purpose he dies like alex said we weren't even sure he died we're like wait a minute did he just die <laughs> that's completely pointless um and you're like why was he in this movie like why i guess just for the name to have his name in there he literally just gets taken to like a underground dungeon prison which by the way is basically just isengard like it's 100 just like (laughs) they they took the hobbits to isengard yeah yes we could drink the ron they took hellboy to isengard the 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 female lead character uh character's name is i guess i'm looking at it right now laura I guess Claire Forlani. I mean, yeah, I, or was it the, oh, no, bl- the daughter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't see I, exactly. I, I have no idea who's who. In yeah, movie. they're all <laughs> just most unbelievably forgettable characters. Uh, it's like they're just like, oh, here's the uh, Eowyn story mm-hmm. from Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Here's that. Boom, packaged. Like they just they just sit there and they just. I, I was saying I was thinking about it before when you guys were talking about it. Is this movie super condensed? It's it's all the elements of Lord of the Rings, but condensed like Campbell's soup, and it's just salty and fucking disgusting, and it makes no fucking sense. And you yeah, can't condensed do and yet somehow incredibly boring. When it's not funny, it's, it is often funny. It, I mean, I guess there are. It, it was funny in the beginning, but if this movie was half its length, I would have been like, "That was a funny bad movie." Yeah. See, the first time I saw it, I believe I just saw the theatrical, and that's probably the way to do it if you're gonna go through this. <laughs> yeah. Um, which which uh, it depends. If you have a group of friends and you're getting drunk and it's like on in the background, that's totally fine. You'll laugh at it, but don't like sit down and watch it. <laughs> It's just so bad. Not the the it, director's cut was especially long. As interminable. Yeah. As, as interminable. <laughs> Three hours. You know, like you actually had to make it Lord of the Rings length. And it was and do do zero percent to earn it. And it was so disappointing because like Jesse was saying earlier, there were so many elements of this movie that were actually kind of competent. Like 
The score was nice, it, mm-hmm. albeit misplaced and badly interjected into scenes. It was it was well done. It was a nice score to listen to. Uh, I guess they were really hedging on that selling the soundtrack kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that Lord of the Rings really coined yeah. on. Oh, man. I want to buy some Krug action figures. <laughs> it's so, you know, and like there are some really beautiful... Ray Liotta action figure with digestible burger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my shit. God. Uh, with, oh, my God. Um, he looks like he spent a year just eating cheeseburgers before this role. Ray Liotta tried once. In yes, my opinion. Exactly. He tried one time in his career to be a competent actor and he did it fucking beautifully. And to his credit What movie was that? Karina Karina. Uh, and, and and to be to his credit, he did Tommy Versetti from Grand Theft Auto Vice City quite well. He was the dad in Blow, which was a good good casting choice. Okay, yeah, I haven't seen Blow. Mm, Johnny Depp doing a bunch of cocaine. I'm surprised you haven't seen that. Yeah, I mean I might have also. I mean I have yeah. Swiss cheese. Two thousand one. Who knows? I wish I could. F- I mean, I'm gonna forget this movie. That's why the hard thing. We watched this movie a few days ago, and I wish I could remember more about it. Because when I hate movies as much as I hated this movie, I just start deleting it from my brain immediately. <laughs> Did you hate it more than Funny Games? Uh, yes. Because Funny oh, Games. Wow. Ev- because Funny Games eventually ended. Right. And this movie <laughs> is- never ended. There is something to say for. Funny games only being two hours. Yeah. This movie just went on for Eternium. And I just sat there watching Jason Satham roundhouse kick fucking spirit Halloween store characters <laughs> over and over again. And I just, I wanted to kill myself so bad. You wanted to kill me. I wanted, and I kept looking over at Jesse like, like just so pissed at him that he would make me sit through this and that he would think that I would think that this is funny. Like, exactly. That's why he was like, well, me and me and Alex were laughing the whole time. I'm like, good for you and Alex. Like, this is shit. Like, this is awful. What the fuck? You came to my house. The thing is, he comes to my house. He sits on my fucking couch and puts this trash through my brain. It's like when like people gift you garbage games like bloody boobs and shit on Steam. And you're like, I don't want that shit in my Steam library. What? Who did that to you? That sounds weird. <laughs> Somebody else here did that to me. And it's like, it's just stop polluting my my life with this shit. <laughs> Speaking of video games, Jeff, because you are like the resident video game player when it comes to movies and stuff and comparing them oh yeah this is based on a have game. you played this Apparently. video game dungeon siege a dungeon siege what it's a dungeon siege tale the game yeah, is like, i have no it's like based on no, a game like a video oh game yeah I, I mean except dun- it's it's in name only okay yeah i dungeon siege i mean it sounds familiar but i nothing yeah this is I think it's like a Diablo clone or something. I don't even know. I really don't. I don't know games. Yeah, these are like well. this is like an old like hack CRPG. I mean, I'm probably gonna get some hate for that, but it's probably some. <laughs> um, Dungeon Siege is the best fucking um, CRPG in the world. Um, yeah, tell us, tell us why we're wrong about Dungeon Siege in the comments and watch us not care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, please, please do. Yeah, I have a. Did you know that there are two sequels to this movie? Yeah. Yes, Dolph Lundgren and then some guy. Dominic Purcell, who played Dracula in Blade 3. Oh, also from Prison Break, I think. He's in that like show, Prison Break, which I never yeah. saw. 
Yeah, he's one of those guys that's like, oh yeah, you, yeah, you suck. Yeah, like, he's <laughs> like when you need when you need a generic actor man and can't hire somebody good. But like generic, like buff actor man. Like if you can't get Batista, you go for this guy. Yeah, right. exactly. I actually don't want to say he's not good because I have zero idea. But if you're in in the name of the king three in the starring role, probably a a, a decent indicator. Funny thing is that this oh, film. Boy. Only made thirteen point one, big shock. I know at the box office, against its sixty. However, how do you fucking justify that? When the Blu-ray came out that included the director's cut, over eight hundred thousand copies were sold, and it actually made fourteen million dollars the second time round. So it made more, made more selling physical copies than. It did getting people into the movie theaters. It's just shitty movie collectors. I mean, that does happen. That happens fairly often in with like cult classic type of things. I swear it's probably one dude too. But it's like this does this doesn't. I don't know. This doesn't deserve that at all. I know. Like I, I, I was also before we get too far past it in terms of like the the production and the the finance element. I would have loved to be in the room when the producers were finally screened this film and to just watch their faces fall be like oh god this is what we've done we tried we gave away both 60 million dollars because lord of the rings is still popular and people need to need more of that and this is what we got do you think that uwe Boll was the original idea for directing this movie uh, yeah, like if he was a director for hire or not? Maybe, or like maybe they had somebody else originally slated for this movie or like was like in talks. So it wasn't even like something that we could find as like a factoid. It just feels like this movie had a purpose. And I don't know. I just, it, it doesn't feel like this is the kind of movie you give to a director like Uwe Boll. Well, Uwe Boll is known for making bad video game based movies, which this ostensibly is. I mean, I even guess. though it has nothing to do with the game itself, it is still a dungeon siege tale. And this was around the time where like I think he had just made Blood Rain. Yeah, he made Blood Rain, Alone in the oh Dark, House of the Dead before that. So I would bet like and just knowing the little bit I do about Uwe Boll and how he's like he's kind of his own version of auteur in some strange sense like he just does his thing i mean no matter what you think of it Mm -hmm. he definitely just does his thing my bet is that he rounded up the money for this somehow he's like look we're gonna get all these actors it's gonna be like lord of the rings it's not gonna look like alone in the dark i'll actually hire a cinematographer Mm -hmm. and you know to the movie's credit it has decent cinematography bad editing but like the the shots look fine, you know. You don't see like the camera's shadow, or like the <laughs> the the tracks from the dolly or anything like you do in his other movies. Yeah, I think he helps produce it a little bit. I, I I don't know how much he had a hand in that, but he he did help do it. And it, it's a big studio too, I believe. Was it Twenty First Century Fox? Was it? It was. I didn't pay attention. Yeah. Distributed by yeah, oh like, no. no 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 excuse me 20th Century Fox did it in Germany but then oh. the freestyle releasing did it in the United States yeah the three writers mm. look like they're just like those these kind of like kind of hack writers that just write for for whatever. I mean if you wrote this movie then 
Get out of writing, please. Don't yeah. never write anything again. The most the most prolific one on IMDb is Doug Taylor, and he's if you look at his like writing credits, it's just pure schlock. It's just a bunch of schlock. Yeah. That does not surprise me whatsoever. Yep, it's just it's a piss poor. And to think that piss like the person that critiqued him originally saying, you know, you got to redo this script because it's too much like Lord of the Rings. To then read the finished script and be like, oh, yeah, this is totally yeah. fine. Like, what? <laughs> oh, this is a fine departure. What? Like, this movie, yeah, it's it's uh, that's an unbelievable fact. I, I read that as well. It's insane. I was like, how much closer could you have made it? <laughs> it's already just like you're like cheating off the guy in front of you's fucking test and math and like doing all the same answers but still to show failing. You work like a little bit differently. Exactly. Yeah, still and somehow failing. still fail. <laughs> You're like, you got zero right. How did you even do <laughs> yeah, that? How'd you manage that? You copied off the smartest kid in class. You actually changed the problems <laughs> yeah, to, to, exactly. be, like, to make wrong answers. Like, you didn't even get the wrong answers. You changed the fundamentals of mathematics to then produce a fucking just abomination. Hey, Jeff. What? What was your favorite scene? Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it has to be when they were just launching orcs, and it was, like, so obviously, like, wires that were, like, making them fly. They were just, like, flying, like, perfectly horizontal in place, flailing their little arms and legs, like, and they're, like, shooting them as catapults. For almost no purpose. On fire. And they would, like, and I was, like, waiting for one of them to blow up. Right. I was, I was I was like because they shoot the first one that's on fire and he just like hits one. I was like, oh okay, maybe they'll be a little bit more like highbrow than that. And then the next, the second one explodes. It hit, the second orc hits open ground and just blows up to <laughs> other people. And it's like, okay, no, never mind. They're just gonna make the orcs explosive. So they're just shooting and catapulting their somehow explosive infantry. Like, it's just things. And then you have, like, a group of ninjas show up. Oh, my God, the ninjas, right. dude. And they just call them ninjas. <laughs> it's like, oh, here's the Asians in the movie. Exactly. No, and they They're all ninjas. Oh Every Asian in the movie Thank is a ninja. you, Jesse. This movie compartmentalizes race so ridiculously, like, just, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't want to say offensively because I'm not offended by it, but it, it could be taken as offensive. It could be. Yeah. White people it's are rulers. All the white people black are the rulers. Black people are soldiers. The, exactly. The two black guys in the movie are the, like, the, they're only ever on screen together. There's a couple times when they're the king. I think they're like the king's highest bodyguards, but they're like, here's like our black guys in the position, and here's all the Asians, and they're ninjas, mm-hmm. and like, here's all these groups, and they're this particular type of infantry that you recognize from their culture it's just it's so but you can tell Uwe Boll's like look how I'm being so diverse and it feels it feels innocent though it feels innocently retarded yeah exactly not, not like it doesn't have any malice to it it's just well bad, yeah no dumb. no yes he's I don't feel like there's like a racial like aspect like Uwe like oh braces need to stay in their category I think <laughs> I'm thinking it's very much like he's like like being like, oh, I want to be representative of everybody, so I want to bring in all these different cultures. The forest nymphs. Like, there's ninjas in here, and the exactly, and then there's the forest. Exactly, I didn't think they were elves. Jesse thought they were elves. I thought they were just like forest. I'm people. still unsure. So we were we were both we were workshopping that in both of our screenings, and like I can't remember which one of you we came up with this theory with, but it's like 
they go in and there's like you know the magical elf ladies and there's like four of them yeah, and and they say this line like we don't meddle we don't care about the affairs of men oh, or whatever and they're like does that mean that they don't uh, like meddle with the race of man or that they just are like a bunch of hippie girls yeah. in the forest who don't like dudes yeah oh my god it's hilarious too because like the forests are all natural and everything like they went to these locations to shoot them right but when the nymphs come down the ivy that they're using to swing around on looks like that shit that you buy from like michael's or like hobby lobby oh dude everything looks like it's from spirit halloween store exactly walmart or something like that there's no like the props department was as cheap as possible. Like every sword looks like it's made of styrofoam. Every battering ram looks like it's made of fucking styrofoam or cardboard. Like the any set, anything that they had to do, any effort that they had to fucking put into this movie, they just didn't. And and it's so offensive to like just the, what they were trying to, I guess, I, I would call the unofficial source material and just fantasy in general and just storytelling. I mean, these are the types of... I hate this fantasy schlock sci-fi bullshit that gets so popular because then it just makes everyone think that fantasy is like, oh, it's just like, you know, there's Lord of the Rings or just this. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, there's other stuff. Exactly. It's in between. That's good. That I can't remember because I'm angry <laughs> and, and, and frustrated at this. You have to have fucking, your own vision or at least a competent screenwriter. Yeah. Like the shot, there's good shots in this movie. The locations, like Alex said, are, are beautiful. Like there's a lot of really gorgeous places that they decided to go to and actually physically shoot there. And there's great, like, they got a helicopter, like just yet. And Uwe Boll definitely, he says it. You're like, look at my helicopter. (laughs) You're like, I got a helicopter. Look at me. I'm Uwe Boll. I finally have more than $15 to make a movie. I'm going to use it poorly. Exactly. It's just so, I mean, yeah, and they use that helicopter. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, they use it. And it's, uh, it's just, it's, it's trying too hard to be something it's not. It doesn't have any sense of purpose or it's self. It's not anything. It's not anything. That's the thing. It's not anything. Well, that's it's a, like, no, that's not true. It's like a, an animal cracker made of just junk. It's just, no, that's not true, though, because you can see that there's a, a level of, desire to make this to be like a cool fantasy movie that everybody at first it seems wanted wanted to like do this it seemed like everyone had this energy to the movie like jason satan was really leaning into this role like i mean he was being jason satan like he is in every movie but like he was not acting bad i don't know it's weird to say that like it's just none of the actors fit they're not bad actors doing bad performances they're just Bad casting. John yeah. Reese Davies is the only one who fit, I think. Well, John Reese, like I said before, John Reese Davies just knows fantasy. None of these people know yeah. fantasy, so they're all he trying. Knows what he's doing. They're trying their best. Like this would have been better as like a a small little independent film. This would have been better as an Uwe Boll film because it would look like crap. It would be funnier and shorter. And if it just it just had like Ray Liotta in it, it was like a Ray Liotta right. Uwe Boll film. It's like, like ninety right, minutes. Cool. You can see the shadow of the cameraman, and it's just like funny bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be I fine. would agree with that. That would be tolerable. But when it's like he, bad sets. <laughs> but what he tried to do was he tried to be lofty and take all this money and be this big Phil Jackson director. Uh, Phil Jackson? Yeah, I know. That's the... Uh, it's the coach of the Lakers and the Bulls, yeah. I yeah. Know, dude. 
Peter Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> uh, no. I think my favorite scene is scenes are definitely the very end when we have Ray Liotta levitating, like in his leather in jacket. His suit, yeah, in his jacket, <laughs> well, right out of Blade Three. They're like fighting each other and. Like, you can totally tell that he's, like, kind of ungainly and, like, kind of just, like, it's, like, awkward for the wires to, like, lift him up and put him down. <laughs> oh, my God. Poor radio. But, like, it was just so funny to see him in this film. I think he's Dude, he the funniest so part many, of this movie. He got so much Philly cheesesteak money from this Dude, film. <laughs> like, I just expected him halfway through one of his like weird wizard rants to just start screaming at Karen about, you know, stirring the sauce and hiding the <laughs> cocaine and shit. Like fucking dude, I said <laughs> I don't know how many times throughout the movie that to the point where Jesse was getting so sick of it that I was yelling, Karen Exactly. Karen <laughs> like every line that he said I would say Karen after I was just glad when you were engaged. <laughs> I I mean it wasn't often. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't often. I mean, it just it's it's yeah. I'm I'm done. Fuck it. I'm done. Jeff said something. I was like, oh, he's awake. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this movie. It's one of the craziest um, phenomenons in. I want to say like one of the craziest film phenom- phenomenons that I've been able to like watch just as a movie. Research what like went behind it. There are a few projects like this throughout Hollywood's history that I think are like actually very interesting you know we've talked about like the island of dr moreau there's this one called the swarm Mm -hmm. that was full of like amazing actors but it was just like the worst sci-fi movie about a swarm of bees in like houston texas where michael are you gonna make me watch this alex i mean are we gonna watch this together it's shorter which is nice but i fucking better yeah (laughs) but it's just interesting when movies like that like get put up you know because like you think that producers and people who sit behind the desk at these big movie studios, like they're good at finding talent, but every once in a while, $60 million seems to slip through their fingers and go to just the most atrocious shit ever. And those moments I live for. That's the only reason I would say to experience this movie. This movie, you're right. This movie is far more interesting if you like, you know how like a scientific paper will have an abstract exactly. for it and that it tells you like what's going on before it goes into the paper. <laughs> the abstract for this film is by far the most interesting part about it because the movie is a giant piece of crap, but it's mostly boring. There's some funny stuff in there, but zooming the camera out, if you will, you look at it and you're like $60 million directed by Uwe Boll. Yeah. Starring all these, you know, big name actors to make this. This is your result. It's interesting that it exists because it's so miscalculated on every single possible level that I find that interesting. Yeah, definitely. Like the fact that there was a lot somewhere that they cleared out for a few months to put trailers in for actors to live in in the name of this movie. Like, in the name of the exactly <laughs> like the fact that I've said this before in another podcast, but the fact that people got up in the morning, made their coffee and had their breakfast, and were like, "Oh, I'm driving to work today," because I'm the grip for this movie or something like that. Like the fact that you can just coordinate this many people around a giant pile of shit is insane to me. And it's... Oh, it happens all the time. I know, which is just... 
It's just not usually as interesting and big of a product as this. And three hours of film, ladies and gentlemen, is like, it's a long time. You know, it's not like, it's a lot of film was like used in the making of this movie. A lot of film was hurt in the making of this movie. Just like images being blasted onto celluloid. Like for three hours. And that's just the director's cut. Who imagines what the raw edited footage looks like? It's just so fascinating to me that like how hard it is to break into the Hollywood game for actors, directors, writers, whatever. And then you get stuff like this that gets greenlighted for $60 million. Yeah, like you were saying earlier, you could have made Paul Thomas Anderson's first four movies exactly. on that budget. <laughs> exactly. You could have had, you, we could have given a director a chance who had a nice short film and like made a career for them. <laughs> Instead, you made this. Clap, clap for yourself, you fucking assholes. Uh, the magic of movies. The man, this is what we call movie magic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. So next week, we're going to talk about Pig. <laughs> I'm excited for that. People are really into this Pig movie. I am too, actually. Yeah. People, yeah, people I want to see Nicolas Cage act. It seems yeah, that he's... For some a, reason, sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Now, for some reason... As a chef, people keep telling me I need to watch it. I don't know why. I have no idea. Because truffles. I'm going into this blind. That's actually a good point. I forgot about that aspect. About about what? The the truffle thing. I'm only like 15 minutes in. Right now? Watching right now? Yeah. Podcast. <laughs> I'm watching That's a good way to do it. I complain about In the Name of the King while you watch Pig. Exactly. Like a good movie. <laughs> <clears throat> no, man. I watched some other stuff while you guys were away that I, I recommend. One of them. Is the Netflix or sorry Amazon documentary Val? I saw that uh, about Val Kilmer's life, and like I'm not gonna say it's perfect. I think it might have been better as a miniseries because it's it's a lot to condense into under two hours, to the point where the second half of his career is like maybe takes up 15 minutes. Mm. But despite any objective criticisms I could have. I had tears in my eyes almost the whole time. It was it was uh, stunningly heartfelt, and I, and I recommend it to anybody, especially if if you were a fan of Val Kilmer back in the day. You know, absolutely, damn. Yeah, One of the greatest performances of all time in that that Jim Morrison Doors performance. It it looks really like heart wrenching. I will say the the trailer for it, it and everything and. To be honest, I feel a little bad because during the earlier part of his career, I thought he was just like a pretty face, you know, on on screen that they would choose. He's like one of the pretty boys of Hollywood. But the fact that he like was so in love with filmmaking and had a camera with him like from ages, you know, 10 to now, I think that's just really interesting. Sometimes you just don't get to see like, I don't know, the person behind who you think that they are. But I I don't know. I, I think it's... I think it's cool, and it definitely adds a layer of like complexity to his personality that I'm interested oh. in. I mean, it's 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 really interesting that you say that, Alex, because that's kind of why his career started faltering in the late '90s is because he hated just being the pretty boy thing. Mm. Like he wanted like the movies and the roles he was getting. He didn't feel like he could actually act. Like he hated being in Batman. He turned down being Batman again. And as he says in there, like you just you don't turn down Batman. 
Mm, um, I didn't know that. And Damn. yeah, like he had a he he really wanted to act, you know. And I don't know where the industry was at at the time, or just the roles that were available to him. Like he only did um, Ellen to Doctor Moreau because he wanted to work with Brando. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but that that movie is its own clusterfuck of of terrible and weird behind the scenes nonsense. Yeah. But yeah, I would say watch Val. I mean, if you're gonna take away anything from this podcast, it's a much better uh, <laughs> use of your time than in the name of the king. <laughs> do you want to go back to in the name of the king, Jeff? Do you have more to say? No, I don't at all. Ripping out your fucking pubes is better than watching in the name <laughs> of the king, dude. I don't remember you ripping out my pubes, but I'll rip out your pubes. This <laughs> is <laughs> your revenge. <laughs> movie's exhausting to even talk about i'm like exhausted talking about it just <laughs> fuck it i'm over it you talk about yeah let's talk about your fucking you you're both of your artsy bullshit that you guys love so much I, I, I care more about talking about that than this are you referring to paris texas i don't know God, I don't, no i don't want to talk about that movie because there's not enough talking in that movie to fucking talk about uh, so let's move on uh i checked i I checked out a really great narrative. I, I suggest watching it on YouTube. Uh, it's a VR game, and I think it's obviously best experience like that, but it's just a narrative game. It's called Gloomy Eyes, but you can watch it on YouTube, the full thing. It's about 30 minutes long. Just a really beautiful, cute little short story about like just like the sun going away and like giving yourself all into things you love. I know it's just it was a really beautiful story. And, uh, nice. Yeah, I was I was really encap enraptured by that. Capsule. I'll check that out. Yeah, it's cool. It was thirty minutes. I mean, really I also watched. I recommended this to you, Alex. I watched the Samurai trilogy mm-hmm. from the fifties, which was like the biggest production in Japan at that time. Um, colorized, sprawling samurai epic starring. Um, I always I always mess up their names, man, because they're all they're both in Kurosawa movies. They both start with a T. It's not Takashi Shimura. It's uh, Toshiro Mifune. Toshiro Mifune. Yeah. Toshiro Mifune. Yeah. Um, at the height of his stardom, and it's like, it's it's epic. It's three movies. Um, they're all shot, I believe, at the same time. <clears throat> and it's funny because if you've seen anime, they're like the most anime movies ever, <laughs> but before anime, like all these like plot beats, the way that the way that. Like the over over emphasis that Japanese theater sometimes has, you know, where where people are like hyper realistic versions of themselves, mm-hmm. not hyper realistic, but the expressions are very vibrant. Yeah, yeah, vibrant, overstated, almost almost like a like a cartoon kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then you just have these super anime moments, like all the women are in love with uh, Takashi Shimura. And it's like falling over. <laughs> I don't know. But at the same time, it's like this really amazing, great story with all this fun samurai stuff and seeing the period costumes. Like it's just a shitload of fun. And it's on HBO Max at this at this time. This very moment. Well, yeah, this will come out in a month. So hopefully it'll still be out then. But yeah, I recommend that. So... I've seen this movie a bunch before when I was younger, but I watched Mystic River again recently. Um, I think it was 
Clint Eastwood's like first directorial debut or like no his one no, of his... he directed a lot of movies before that. okay so it was like his first movie that i think you could say like he has like a style you know we were talking about directors with styles or like chapters of their career it's like the first time i started to pay attention to him as a director he went with million dollar baby after that grand torino things like that but mystic river was like 2003 2004 Sean Penn, Kevin Bacon, Tim Robbins. It's an interesting story about like Southie Boston, uh, murder mystery, whatever. And it's like surprisingly extremely well acted, especially by Sean Penn. Um, that's that's surprising. No, 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 no. Like, but I feel like watching it again now, it kind of is a flat movie if that makes any sense. Um, mm, I haven't seen it in over a decade. Okay, so that'll be good because there's like twists and turns in it that will be fresh for you. Oh, I remember that. Okay, so okay, yeah. At least uh, I remember at least a, a good amount of okay. it. It's very impactful at the time. Yeah, but something about the way the movie ended made me really angry with the film. Um, hmm. It almost seemed like a weird cop-out towards the end of the movie, but... Yeah, it was just interesting to watch that. And then I've seen Gran Torino recently and Million Dollar Baby and some other Eastwood stuff. And he, You know he directed Unforgiven, right? Oh, he did. That's right. Okay. Yeah, so I was clued into him from the off. I was like, okay. He's an interesting an interesting director. Although, to be fair, by the time, like, I, I don't think I was cognizant of directors very much by the time I was, uh, until I was in, like, my late teens. So it would have been around... Mystic River, mm-hmm. anyway. Flags of Our Fathers, Letters from Iwo Jima, that kind of era. Which is a great movie, I think. Letters from, Which one? Letters from Iwo Jima, excuse me. Yeah, that's definitely the strongest of the two. Yeah. It's a, a near a near perfect war film, if you, if you like those. But yeah, I don't know. It was interesting. All right. So I also saw something that we, I, I feel like we could have done on the podcast, but... I don't know. For some reason, I just decided not to. Um, but I watched the Suicide Squad, <laughs> the new the new DC thingy. I'm actually interested to hear about this. Yeah. So there's an interesting story to this for people who don't know. So Marvel sort of like broke the world in a little bit when they made Guardians of the Galaxy because it was this weirdo movie. Nobody knew anything about it. It was these like really bottom of the barrel characters, like not popular characters. But it it set off this whole new thing that Alex has come to hate that are like ensemble action movies with quippy one-liners and um, uh, pop music, like a lot of pop music going on. What's not what's not hate? <laughs> Which, well, that's become popular because James Gunn made his own style of movie and did it very well. Like, I, I really like the Guardians movies. They're probably my favorite parts of Marvel. Um so a couple years after that, DC, who were still in their like, uh, Batman v Superman darkness, hired this guy named David Ayer to make Suicide Squad. And David Ayer made movies like End of Watch and Fury, which are really like, like they're not fun movies. <laughs> you know, I really like Fury. Fury is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, well, it's got Brad Pitt in it, man. <laughs> I, I mean... Yeah, um, <laughs> best movie I've ever seen. And so they, so but they they hired this guy David Ayer to make a movie, and I'm sure he had a vision for it. 
But the studio panicked when they saw Guardians of the Galaxy and they're like, oh, we need to recut this as cynically as possible. Just add in songs, no matter if they fit or not, to make it feel like Guardians of the Galaxy. Because Suicide Squad is also like a quippy ensemble superhero, like dark comedy kind of thing, like feeling. And so they're like, oh, perfect. We'll just do this. And it was a disaster. They oh, completely ruined the movie in so editing. Bad. Um, I'd be curious to see uh, like the director's version of that. <laughs> um, but fast forward a few years, James Gunn gets canceled from Marvel because of a tweet he made like 15 years ago because that's the world that we live in now. <laughs> and DC was like, oh, well, we've completely failed trying to make a James Gunn movie without James Gunn, why don't we just hire James Gunn? And so they did, and they gave him an R rating, and oh, the result beautiful. is wonderful. Wow, really? It's, yeah, it's great. Um, nice. Okay, now I want to see it. Yeah, it. I feel like it... Okay. It, it runs a little bit long, I think. I was a little exhausted towards the end, but I think that's also just due to me mainly watching a lot of old movies right now. And watching a gigantic two hundred million dollar, like loud spectacle was just something I wasn't super used to. But it has great characters, uh, really fun dialogue, hilarious gore, hilarious gore, um, and is just goofy, and fun, and ridiculous, and is the best superhero thing I've seen in quite some time. It's like. It's like if Guardians of the Galaxy just pulled no punches and just went full out with the dark comedy and like blowing people's heads off in the funniest way possible. <laughs> I watch this with my dad who isn't like super keyed in in the way I am to like comedy violence. Like I don't know what he would think if I showed him dead alive. <laughs> but he was laughing his ass off at this movie. He was giggling. And he's like in his late 60s, so that speaks to how well done it is, I guess. I will say, um, yeah, I recommend it. This whole thing nice. you were talking about, like the '70s pop music and the ensemble cast and like the wittiness, I loved that in Guardians of the Galaxy. I do not like superhero Marvel DC movies, oh, fake news. But I loved that. However, I did read an article. I'm pretty sure where James Gunn himself complains about like people just straight up ripping off and stealing his style. He said something in an article where he was like, well, now everyone's just playing 70s soft rock and like juxtapose it with violence and things like that. And I was like, yes, I don't like that. And I'm glad that the creator of this style, at least, or the one who made it good and popular and like palatable, I'm glad that he's like calling that shit out because I just feel like it's getting really old really fast. But if it's him... Like if it's it's like Guy Ritchie, you know, like I didn't go to from Lockstock to then Snatch and say, oh, this shit's getting old because I was like, this is cool. This is your style. It got old when people who that's not their vision exactly. tried to do it cynically exactly. because that's what's popular. And it makes money. And that's what happens. That's what has happened throughout the history of cinema or even art. Like something will get really popular. We'll just stick to cinema for this. Music is a great one, too, though. Mm -hmm. Like when it, when it really impactful band comes out people ape that style but it's like oh you call you can call them watershed movies i think we've talked about this on another episode 
but like the matrix is a really great example mm-hmm. where it's like after that you had just hundreds of these wannabe matrix movies to where within five years everyone is just sick of it you're like stop yeah. do your own thing stop trying to make matrix movies or like we talked about pulp fiction i think yeah where you had all these dark 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 crime comedies coming out after that the weird like chopped up plot lines too yeah weird like witty like it's like a writer sat down or a director sat down and was like i'm gonna make a tarantino movie and it's like no don't do that stop it like yeah make your movie exactly and that's why that's why the suicide squad works is because it is that style of movie but it's it's from the guy who created that style exactly which i'm okay and it works and he's just like unleashed to do it it seems like to do whatever the fuck he wants so it works there was a part of my brain that was thinking about it a little bit cynically where i was like are they are is there an element of them making him do this it's like you can make a james gunn movie as long as you make it a james gunn movie Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like make it guardians ish like use the soundtracks that you like like do that that style and we'll give you $200 million and anything else you can do whatever you want. But you have to like make sure it's that style. And I'm, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. But I do know that the end result tipped the scales in James Gunn's favor. Like I would call it a success mm-hmm. no matter if there is a small amount of cynicism within that on the, on the production side. Yeah, I think hopefully being like the artist that he is, hopefully he would stand up for himself after a while if he got sick of doing that, you know? Um, and hopefully he could carve out a career where he still made money. Oh, he's making money. Exactly. Man. That's what I mean. He's, like, uh, I think he's rehired for Guardians 3, which I'm excited for. Yeah. So it's like, if he can continue to have a career that makes him happy, but also fills his pockets, then like, yeah, I think that... I don't know. It's hard, right? Because it's like when the producer of the boy band is like, I need you guys to make like, a hit like your first album right and they're like oh but we're so much more mature we write about different things now and he's like no you're gonna be writing about teeny boppers chasing you all over town you know right. and it's like dude we're 50 like yes yeah. i mean i think the, the the big lesson here is if you have a director with a vision let them make their vision and that will shine through mm-hmm. if you approach it cynically it's gonna show yeah it just is it's just it's just part of art. Which is what I feel like happened with the slew of, you know, these quirky movies that came out with, like, the the music and the... It's just it's just everything. Every time I Cruella. see Cruella. Even... Dude, I don't know how you guys are going to feel about this one, but even when I saw the preview for Thor Ragnarok, and it was, like, playing, like, the Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin, you know, and they were, like, jokey about it and everything, I was like, I don't like this. I don't know, yeah. like... Mm-hmm. This is fucking I don't like stupid. Any of those movies. I don't know. Cynical you trailer. You know how I feel I about guess. that. I, I actually love that movie. It's it's goofy. It just goes full bore and goofiness. You're like, you go to this weird, stupid planet, and you have Jeff Goldblum running a a, a gladiatorial alien competition with the Hulk in like a gladiator gladiator outfit, and you're like, yes, and it has this '70s score. I don't know. I thought that one worked. That one worked well. <laughs> but that was Taika Waititi. That was Taika Waititi being Taika Waititi. Yeah. So it's another ver- it's another version of the James Gunn where it's like they let him make his movie. I didn't realize he you was know? such a big superhero guy either because I've seen his other stuff and I fucking, I mean, 
what we do in the shadows is like i think it's a hilarious movie yeah it has that tone it has that take away td cheeky tone i'll have to check that out then just with jolene my wife's favorite uh favorite marvel movie and she's a really big fan she always watches thor ragnarok over and over i've seen <laughs> chunks of it i mean now we know why he doesn't like marvel <laughs> like the woman likes it the wife no 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 i know but she also has generally bad taste so that does make sense <laughs> uh, uh, oh boy but yeah i watched a movie did you? Yeah, I watched a movie. I was tell uh, us about the movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You're gonna t- you're gonna give us a book report on the guy, the newest Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah, The Wrath of Man. Wrath of Man. How was yeah. it? Um. Okay. So I didn't like it, but I didn't think it was Guy Ritchie trying to do his iconic multi storyline style, but with a th- with a theme that. I always felt just didn't quite fit that style, which is like Jason, Stath- Jason Statham action movie theme, which is, again, here we go again, complaining about that same thing. And this movie, which is an actual action movie. so it, And basically what it is is like he tries to tell uh, a pretty simple heist and revenge story through the lens of like four separate but linked unique stories in his kind of way that he does. So that's the kind of part about the movie I liked, that he was leaning more into his... Skill style. Each story has a name, a title card to it, and has a clear and defined ending. And then the next story begins, and the timeline is out of sync, and you're trying to figure out, like, you're supposed to be trying to empathize with this Jason Statham character, this H character. But really what it ends up being boiled down to is kind of just like a boring action heist movie. It it tries Mm. too hard to be a little bit of Oceans, a little bit of snatch or taking a little bit from like those old movies and that aesthetic and and also it reminds me wildly of i don't know if anyone here has seen the director's cut of sin city Mm. where it's like it's like tarantino's vision about how the movie should have been told and it's like divided into these separate little segmented stories that have their own title card and it reminded me so i mean i know this isn't like a wildly original idea sorry was that was that? Are you saying the director's cut of Sin City was a Tarantino recut, or was it a Rodriguez? Sorry, recut? Re, re, I mean, dude, I mean, okay. Come on. I mean, if I say a name, just assume it's the wrong person, and let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to be sure because it, it could have been either in that case. No, it was Tarantino uh, did it, shoot some stuff. For yes, Sin City. I know. That's why I always get confused. Uh, yeah, Robert, yeah. Robert, it always reminds. It, I always think of Sin City as a Tarantino movie for some reason. So do I, I to be honest. I don't know. Just I, I think it's know. because they did the they did the grindhouse thing together. Planet like Terror. Two years later. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Planet just, Terror and yeah. uh, Death Proof. So it just has that like feel to me. I don't know. Anyway, um, there is. A, so yeah, do but, you, you do you ahead. think he was trying to rekindle the snatch magic? Because that's one of the questions <laughs> we had to each other. Sorry, that that's just sentence was just perfect <laughs> rekindle the snatch magic snatch magic um <laughs> that sounds like could be talking about something yeah exactly. that's, that's, that's like something you say to your like marriage there exactly yeah. <laughs> like we're just trying to rekindle the snatch magic and it's just yeah. not working oh shit but do you think do you think he was trying to do that because that was one of our questions where because we saw we're like these are ensemble crime capers. Is he trying to do snatch? It's, it's it's less that he's trying to do a specific movie that he's done in the past, and more trying to emulate a style that he is now self aware of. Mm. And sometimes when you become a little too self aware of what your own style is and what makes it unique and makes it mm-hmm. 
like what made you a cult director in the first place yeah. was the fact that you were unaware of your unique storytelling format the way you kind of were able to blend these multi like multi-line multi-linear stories into like one final thread at one point in the movie and sometimes they come together and they continue together sometimes they come together and go apart but what he was trying to do here was do that but just in a way that was a little leaned a little too artistic in my mind where he was like trying to make it into these chapters but with characters that I just don't feel drummed up any any res- real emotional connection like Statham's mm-hmm. character is nicknamed as H and he's like a he has like this mysterious past and he he just kind of feels like the bro character that all the guys in, in the movie who are watching go I'm that guy. Yeah, exactly. That, that's I'm I'm, I'm that <laughs> oh, guy. That's no. Because he like he's like a normal dude and he's like oh, I mean obviously you don't think he's normal cuz he's Jason Statham and you know he's going to do some crazy shit and start kicking people soon. But mm. It's like he's supposed to be this normal guy and he just like applies for a job and he's got like mediocre shooting and mediocre this. And then like when the when the, the shit goes down and they start getting robbed, he like busts out of the thing and he's like pop, 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 pop and shoots him down all secret agent John Wick style. And everyone's like, whoa, dude, I didn't know. How'd you do that? Like <laughs> it's this very like self-indulgent uh, Mary Sue type of character. And he's on this very, like, generic revenge story. Spoilers. Like, apparently, like, one of the armored cars that he is now working for was robbed and his son was killed in the robbery. And you figure that out through this, like, multi-chapter, non-linear story. And it's just, it drags on. It asks a little too much of the viewer to be invested in a story with pretty hollow characters. But I do applaud Guy Ritchie for, for kind of deviating the, the lens towards this style that I feel made him popular. It's just maybe rein it back a bit and be, a, I don't know. It's, it's hard. The saddest part of what you're saying has to do with characters because like we talked about in snatch, every single character in that film is so wonderful. Mm-hmm. They try to be every them. single one of them. Yeah. It fades. If you watch his character ensemble movies, throughout the the kind of because he's done other movies but he's kind of his his classic crime character ensembles it's been a slow decline yeah you know it, it, it was a dip with revolver and then it came boom back up with um rock and roller in my opinion i mean some people feel like it's it's been a continual slide from from that point as well but uh, i think it came up a little bit but then from there it's just like i always felt like the ensemble cast were weaker like i think i felt Lockstock had the strongest cast i felt they were the most believable they had the funny little kind of like britishisms in it but mm-hmm. he just kind of deviated look it, it was like he was just he, he was just moving the camera over to a more american audience somewhere where he knew that he was uh. going to sell tickets and and people complained in like his old movies like even snatch like i don't get it i've shown snatch to so many people and then be like, oh, I like this movie, but like, ah, uh, the accents are a little like intense. Mm. It's it's yeah. He he was operating in such a weird little brilliant paradigm for a couple years, where everything just happened to work. He got the actors right, he got the dialogue right for those actors. It just everything fell into place that he just hasn't seemed to been able to replicate since, which is sad. And I also. I had a thought when you were talking about 
the difference between being aware and being self-aware and having those things be a detriment, right? Mm -hmm. Because like we talk about Tarantino a lot, but like he's someone who's always been very aware of his own style, of course, but it's never gone to the level of self-awareness where it would feel even borderline parodical. Yeah. Right. It always feels very natural. Yeah. Well, I always think Tarantino distanced himself away from his material in some way. Like he appreciates what he makes. And when he does interviews and people are like, what did you think about this in this movie? Or did you, are you concerned about people? He's like, no, fuck you. I don't care. Like he's very defensive of his films, but I think I always felt he does keep his movies and his art at arm's length. As yeah, he doesn't life. care what people think, which is a, a very good indicator. <laughs> Sorry, I cut you off, Alex. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, we talked about it a little with the Tenant episode. Um, I'm not saying that Christopher Nolan's movies are getting worse and worse or anything like that, but with Tenet, it was kind of like, hmm, you've like started yeah. to key in on your little, you know, science-y, like, twisty, just head fuckery here, and... It just, I felt like the narrative, the actual story, which Christopher Nolan is still good at writing stories, it just kind of fell to the wayside, and I, I just didn't like that. Um, but, yeah, you know, like, I was actually pretty underwhelmed by the Sherlock Holmes movies. I liked the style of oh, them, yeah. but, like, I was like, I don't know. It, it It's hard to make a character seem flat that has hundreds and hundreds of pages written by, you know, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Like yeah, it's, it's a literary character, yeah. Like, and then like you really like only have to do him a certain way. You have to make him kind of like a spazzy, neurotic, drug addict, mm-hmm. fucking genius. Like, just do that. It's all about casting, really. Yeah. I mean, I I think it was solid casting. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I just don't. Uh, I don't remember do them well enough to critique them, but I I know that they weren't like smart Sherlock Holmes type scripts. Yeah. You know, they were mass appeal movies for sure. Yes, indeed. And that's okay. Like, and that's why I put them outside of like what I consider his like true to form cinema like experience. You know, his crime ensemble movies, his snazzy kind of funny British dialogue. You know, he he just that just faded away as he kind of tried harder and harder to grip at a different audience that was slipping away from him, and then a new audience that didn't want that kind of that kind of dialogue. It wanted like. Jason Statham kicking people in the face. Like when mm-hmm. people see, I believe, I kind of just have this feeling that when people see Jason, Jason Statham, no, they don't know he's a good actor. They just see like... Is he though? I, so I he, think uh, he can be. I think he has the, the depth and the range. I think he's just like Dwayne Johnson. He's like, you're going to give me how much for this movie to kick people? Okay. Like I'll kick people for that much money. He's like the whatever. English Dwayne Johnson. Exactly. It's like, but, I mean... Like when I think of, when I think of Jason Statham... And I had this question brewing in my brain a lot earlier. And I was thinking, like, is there any actor who has less variation in their roles in history? Because he always plays Jason Statham. But he embraced If there is the any cast. variation, it's like 1%. But he embraced the typecast. That's all he did. He was just like, a lot of oh, actors sure. reject the typecast. They're like, no, I won't be in this movie because I don't want to be typecast as this guy. But it's either you hold some level of actor integrity artistic integrity or you get that fucking bag yeah and jason statham chose the latter yeah he's just getting the bag for sure like you just Um, but but do you think like can you think of anybody 
who plays the same character in every movie more so than Jason Statham? I don't know, George Clooney? Uh, I can I, I agree, but not to a Statham level. Well, I don't George think George has Clooney has done, Yeah, I don't think he's done as many movies as well. I'm trying to think. And he's also like... No, George Clooney's done a shitload of movies. You think more than I mean, Jason Statham's been oh, like for the sure. Fast and the Fury? You really think more than Jason Statham? All the yeah, fucking George schlock Clooney's that been he's done? making bangers for like thirty years. Yeah, bangers, but not. I'm talking volume, not quality. You, you think George Clooney has made more films in general, starred yes. in more motion pictures? Yes. yes. Wow, I I'm gonna look it up <laughs> yes. it now, but at the end of the podcast, because I I would be surprised because just it just seems like Jason Statham will take anything. It seemed to me for a little bit at least, like, I know it's a meme to say, but not anymore. But I think that Nicolas Cage was playing the same character in a few movies every once in a while. And it was just like, I don't know, like, there was like that Gone in 60 Seconds era where... See, I like that movie. Oh, I love that fucking movie. Yeah, that was one of, like, I have a nostalgia trip. Oh, hell yeah. in the cars and stuff like that. I fucking love that movie. What is this movie? Gone in 60 Seconds? Let me look this up. Whoa. Really? Oh, yeah, that, that was like a good Nicholas Angelina Jolie. Yeah, I, I loved that movie. I mean, oh, I, 35 I Metascore. It. Oh, yeah, it's not like it's yeah. like Armageddon. Yeah, level, it's know? like it's not a good movie. It's oh, like Bruce like Willis a, might be actually one that I will say for a little while. He, oh, he yeah. didn't seem to have like lots of range. I want to say that Tom Hardy is like what Jason Statham, like Jason Statham with the range and like See, panache of Tom like, Hardy. I think Tom Hardy is a, a good actor, but I don't think he's as at the level that everyone puts him at. I really don't. I think he's a good actor and he has some decent range, but I think in a lot of his movie he plays like quippy Englishman, yeah. you know, who's also smooth, like very kind, physical, smooth metro kind of gay English guy. Yeah, yeah. you got to put him in the right role when like you see The Revenant, he's the best part of that movie. Exactly. Does he, he destroys Leo? Yeah. He destroys him. <laughs> yeah, well, Leo, it's Leo literally has two lines and then it's grunting the whole movie. Yeah. Like I want I want a copy of Leo's part of the script highlighted <laughs> and just where it says like you where can, it says, where it you says, can put in you can put in a bang in performance with no dialogue. No. Oh, There's course. a movie that came out with Robert Redford with just him alone on a boat for an hour and a half. I think it's called All Is Lost, and he doesn't say, I think, a single line of dialogue in the, and it's tremendous. Damn. Oh, I'm sure. But, and, and Leo does a great job grunting, but Tom Hardy does obviously steal that performance. But this is what I'm talking about is Tom Hardy is, I think, fighting a bit against the typecast. He's like, I don't want to be smart, quippy Englishman. Again, he was great. In, yeah. If you watch Rock and Rolla, he's young. Is he and, in that? Yeah, he's in Rock and Rolla. He's very young. Oh, damn. I didn't and, know that. Yeah, he looks like a baby. He looks like he's like 18. I mean, obviously he's not. He's probably like 27, 28 or something. But he looks young. Maybe an older. He's probably in his mid-30s. But, uh, but he plays like a really great kind of like naive member of their little like gr- group of gang members. And he does well. And... But he plays like the kind of gay, quippy Englishman, and I think that that's where like that role really took off for him. And I think he's repelling against it. He, I mean, he did Batman; that was very different. That was a deviation for him. I mean, he was great in Mad Max, and he had barely any lines in that. Like mm-hmm. he, he's got range. He's in some of my favorite movies. He's got range. That's for goddamn sure. But I always feel like he's teetering on that level of like typecast or diverse actor. Yeah, he does inhabit a weird space. Like where he gets it's so like, much credit in Inception. Like I thought his role was very forgettable in Inception. Everyone's like, "Oh, but he's in Inception. He's like the best part." It's like, really? 
he's the best part to you? I haven't seen Inception in so long. I don't I don't really, really remember him yeah. in it. You gotta watch Inception every once in a while, man. Just I saw it when it came you, out. Just to remind like, you what a really solid good. like what a solid like B plus movie looks like. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, that's good. Cool. Yeah, Tom Hardy has a palate a, cleanser movie. ascended into like that like really master level tier. Of, of acting, he hasn't, but he could. Yeah, he, I and think he could. I and think I, that's that's you're 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 honing in on my point here, Alex. Is like, yeah, he absolutely could. I think if he were given the the right roles, he could easily get up there into like maybe even Hoffman DDL levels. Yeah, it's just not happened. It just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, exactly. Because I believe that people are wanting to cast him as this particular role. And I, I he has to repel against that right now and fight against it. And then once you break out of that, then you can yeah. move on to be a bigger character actor and move into that realm. But I hope he gets there. He could be one of the daddies one day. Yeah, yeah he could. DDL just... is definitely someone who I feel like just right from the start, maybe just like... He was just like off and running, like. Oh man! When oh, you yeah. start out basically with like, uh, my left yeah. foot, and in the name of the father, the you're boxer, just... like. Yeah. I forgot what that movie's called. Well, I mean, he it's obviously had some idea of the type. It's of called the boxer. Okay. Yeah. That he wanted to be right away. Yeah. Well, I think Tom Hardy came into the game young and was like, "Okay, well, like, we'll see what's out there." Dude, very few actors start out at the caliber of DDL and yeah. with the amount of like pedestal that he had you know where he could just do whatever he wanted almost the from confidence off, it felt like as well mm-hmm. like just the, the raw confidence in the each of his roles that he's played like it's just it's so tangible yeah that he is this character and that i think that's so signature in what makes an actor great most 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 actors most of the great ones they have to sort of build up for a little while like i think de niro and pacino i'd have to look at their even DiCaprio. Oh, yeah, they, they, they had, some they had to build stuff. it up yeah. leo definitely had to build it up but oh, i don't yeah, put dude. him in that caliber at all dude, gilbert great what yeah the basketball diaries was actually pretty he was pretty good in that you didn't see him on fucking what was that show with uh he was on that that really popular with uh the christian guy oh what? Char, uh Kirk Cameron. Fucking... Kirk Cameron, yeah. It was uh, on the show with Kirk Cameron. What was that fucking show called? It was like on Nickelodeon or Disney or one of those stupid fucking channels. Was it parent it's not parenthood? Was it? No, 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 no. What this is way early. We're talking the nineties, bro. It's like Oh fuck. I'll remember it later. Whatever. God damn it. I know people are like whoever's listening to this and knows just like screaming it. I wish I could hear it. Growing pains. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It was a really early Growing Pains. Like Growing Pains. That's it. Yep. Fucking thank you, Alex. Yeah, he was on, <laughs> he was on Growing Pains, early ass role for him. Yeah, he's like a child. Yeah, and uh, I remember seeing him there as well because I had seen him. It's funny. I think he was a better actor as a child than he was as a young man. As because young I've man. seen some of his child movies, and I'm like, oh, he's doing pretty good. He was in a movie with De Niro. Speaking of De Niro, called This Boy's Life, based on a Tobias Wolf novel. Mm-hmm. And it's not a great movie, but he's really good in it as this sort of haunted young man who's just trying to figure out life. By the time you get to like Titanic era, I don't know, he's the worst part of any movie he's in for like a good five or six years. Oh yeah, he's the worst part of Titanic by far. Yeah. He's the and, most and least And Gangs in New York, I think, as well. He started <sighs> I, to I really to win me over with The Aviator. Yeah, but I have to disagree with Gangs in New York. I really do. I think he is great. He's not obviously when you're acting next to like 
DDL yeah. and a few other like really slamming Cameron Diaz, you know. I mean, uh, fuck off. Uh, and John C. <laughs> Riley, I mean, did better. I mean, it's just like, it's just, he still was really instrumental to that movie. I think he played it well. I think he leaned a little too hard into the Irish rogue role where it became a little campy and theater mm-hmm. feeling at times. He felt like much more like a, like a theater. I'd see him like smoking behind a theater in between the intermission <laughs> or something in that costume. You know, that's kind of how it felt. But otherwise, I think he was super instrumental to that role, and the movie wouldn't have been the same without him. All right. Well, I like a good disagreement. Uh, yeah. Well, and any, anything else, boys? Um, we need to talk about In the Name of the King some more, I believe. Yeah. No. There are some instrumental Don't you that... fucking bookend this <laughs> podcast with that piece of shit. Fucking... We have to. It's the, it's the title of the podcast. In the Name of the King. Watch it. Or have a urinary tract infection. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one's significantly better than the other. One is having your is. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> it's like I'm not even gonna put the effort into finishing the joke. Like, I don't even care. I, I'm like improving the joke. I don't give a fuck about. Like it just it's so. Uh, don't do this. I was already calm. I was talking about uh. things I like, and then you're just like, okay, let's make him angry again. His blood pressure high. <laughs> Well, it's time to end the episode. That's the thing. We got to circle back. Oh, sir, we're we're fully circled back. <laughs> so, uh, watch um, watch Val. Watch the documentary Val. Mm-hmm. It's really great. Anything and, else? And uh, don't watch In the Name of the King unless you're with a bunch of friends and you're getting drunk. Then it's totally fine to laugh at Burt Reynolds being drunk in a bad king hat. <laughs> and then even watch it like halfway. Just uh, yeah, you don't you don't need to pay attention. Just just look over at the screen every once in a while, and marvel at how bad the costumes are, and then go about your day. <laughs> All right, that's the real weirdos for this week. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thanks, Thank everyone. you to my co-host. Thank you, Jeff Casino. Yeah, yeah, he says yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Alex Abair. Of course, of course, my liege. <laughs> <laughs> Call me Burt Reynolds. Exactly. I am king. Um, and we'll be back next week to talk about the Nick Cage film, Pig. Yep. Pig. Later, pig, later. Chicka-chicka-chipple. Now our podcast is done, and we have to run. We know it is sad, but we had so much fun. Don't be bereft, Jesse, Alex, and Jeff. We'll be back real soon. The real weirdos. We talk about movies for way too goddamn long. <laughs>